This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, guys and girls, welcome back to another edition of the SmackDown Review, right here on the WWE Podcast. As always, I am your host, Michael Ritter. You can find me on Twitter if you want to, at Michael5Ritter, and on Instagram, at MichaelRitter5, also the host of the Football Function Podcast, which is a football-centered podcast. It's available on all of your podcasting platforms, including the one that you were listening to this podcast on, and it's also available on Patreon if you prefer an ad-free experience, which hopefully you're doing for this show, but if you want one for that show as well, we definitely offer that. So, that is how you can get in touch and get a hold of me. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, whatever you want to call it. If you just want to chit-chat about wrestling, that's uh, that's one way you can get in touch with me. But here on the WWE Podcast, the unofficial WWE Podcast, if that's what you want to call it, me personally, I prefer just calling it the WWE Podcast because that's what I discovered this as. And I thought it had a nice ring to it. It does have a nice ring to it. It's, you know, objectively wwe's fault for not trademarking that matt got a hold of that he got his hands on that bad boy so now we get the benefits of having that easy easily searchable name i guess you can say because i mean if you want to if you listen to wrestling and you want to listen to a podcast about the wwe what's going to be the first thing that you search the wwe podcast or just a podcast about wwe and this one's going to be one that pops up it's a pretty highly rated podcast just being completely honest We've creeped up into the 30s, I believe it is, in terms of wrestling podcasts in the entire country, which is a very competitive field. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who have wrestling podcasts. So the fact that this one's actually getting some recognition and a little bit of respect, not quite the respect that it deserves, I will say that, because I feel like what we bring to the table here, and I say we, uh, Matt is obviously the creator, the main host. Without him, this show would not go on. This is his baby. But there are a few of us who like to chime in, who like to you know, contribute a little bit and provide our input and analysis as well. We are part of the team. Me, I already introduced myself, Michael Ritter, but there are other people here on the show as well. Michael Gross, one of the most informative fans that you'll find here on the show. If you have any questions about wrestling history or just something that you're just not really sure about, that'd be the person I would direct you to go to right there at 144Captain on Twitter. He is definitely insightful, and he's somebody who is a damn good follow on Twitter, just number one, if you have any wrestling questions. I'm not sure if he wants me to, um, you know, just give his Twitter. I mean, he gives his Twitter out himself, but um, I would just suggest, if you have a Twitter question, that's who I would ask, is Michael Gross. So, shout out to Michael Gross. He doesn't have an official show here on the podcast, but he does... You know, he's a co-host. He comes in with Matt every now and then. The listeners love whenever he comes on. I myself can agree with that. But um, Ashley Mann, another co-host who comes on every now and then, usually for a pay-per-view prediction show. She also has her own podcast as well, the Kick-Ash Podcast. Definitely go listen to that. It's insightful as well. And then you got people who have their own show here on the network, such as Mimi Burris does the AEW Dynamite Review, Zach Smith does the NXT review, Anthony DeMarco does WWE Rivalries, and What If with Matt, which is just a segment of hypothetical questions that happen from past, present, and future. Just 
it's an entertaining show. Definitely a one that you would want to check out, as well as the raw review by Matt. If like if you're if this is the first time tuning in, obviously if you're a regular listener, you already know all this stuff. This is just music to your ears, pretty much. You already know exactly what I'm going to say. But Matt is the creator here, so he has his own show. Obviously, the raw review and the weekend review. Two shows that um, definitely keep you updated. Like for me, I haven't been watching Raw for the past month, maybe even more. So I use those, the Raw review and the Weekend review to keep me up to date on exactly what's going on on that side of WWE and on that brand. Because even though WWE can't stay true to their brand split rules, I technically have. I'm I'm basically smacked down all the way, 100%. And um, I didn't necessarily plan it to be like that, even though it's kind of, it's the situation that it was even back in the Ruthless Aggression era, whenever I really got into WWE, I was a Raw guy. And it's not by choice, I just simply had cable and we didn't have the CW or whatever channel SmackDown came on at the time. So I wasn't able to watch SmackDown, and I hated it. I was like, man, I really want to know what's going on over there. There's a lot of wrestlers that I don't really, I'm not really familiar with, because I haven't gotten a chance to really, um, you know, watch them wrestle and, and get up to speed with everything that they bring to the table, whether it's their character, their gimmick, their wrestling style, all that stuff. So I, I was kind of in the dark with SmackDown growing up, and I think it's just kind of cool how things work out. How fast forward 16 years later. And now I have my own podcast here covering SmackDown, and I really don't pay attention to Raw. That's just kind of, it's funny how things work out. But speaking of SmackDown, I guess I will go ahead and stop all of that plugging stuff. Now that we are five minutes into the show, I can go ahead and talk about what we're going to be talking about here on this episode. And that is the SmackDown that aired on December 17th, 2021 from the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois, one of the most passionate wrestling cities in the country, especially here in 2021, they were part of that huge moment whenever CM Punk made his return, his long-awaited return to AEW. Ashley Mann, one of the um, co-hosts that I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, she was actually in attendance for that. So shout out to her. That's a, a moment that she definitely won't forget, but that just kind of, um, she can attest to how the Chicago crowd really is. And it, it felt like tonight, there were a couple spots in the in the night where they were a little bit slow, mainly towards the beginning but like during that tag team match that we'll kind of we'll start the show with whenever we're actually covering SmackDown. But that is one of the spots in the show where they were kind of dead, where you could just hear like a woo chant every so often. But there were other times during the show, especially the main event, where they were really getting loud. So uh, definitely want to give a, a shout out to Chicago. They usually don't disappoint whenever you're talking about wrestling crowds. So um, yeah, this SmackDown, like I said, Chicago, Illinois, All-State Arena, pretty Pretty well-known arena here in WWE. I, I personally have never been there, but I've seen so many different Raw SmackDowns. Just They definitely make their trips there during the year. And just really quickly here about this SmackDown. This is my 63rd here in this iteration of the SmackDown review. There has been other versions of this show without me as the host. But for about, because this is my 63rd, so 65 weeks straight because I have missed two shows during the during the course of those 65 weeks. One of the weeks I had COVID back in January. Long-time listeners know that. And then here just a couple of weeks ago, we had one of the main contributors for the mailbag, which is, I don't know if I mentioned the mailbag whenever I was plugging all the shows, but that's a, that's a show you definitely want to listen to as well. But The Crisis, he's definitely um, a weekly contributor, one of my favorite parts of the mailbag. He always brings the heat, and uh, no pun intended, his fire and trash list. Those are always, you know... Some entertaining points during that episode that really kind of keep you coming and really want to make you listen to it again because I myself, I made the fire list. So shout out to to Crisis for uh, returning the love because I definitely enjoy what he does over there as well. So anyways, 
There has been two weeks, like I was saying before I got completely off topic, that I was not here on the show. But just a little bit of a shout out. This is my 63rd episode here. And I'm looking forward to getting to that 69 number. Just being honest, that's a, for personal reasons, obviously. Just a little bit of a, a funny milestone to get to there. But I guess without anything else to talk about, are you guys ready to get into this SmackDown? Because I certainly am. And first and foremost, I will say, after I record this, I'm going to go watch Spider-Man No Way Home. So I am a little bit excited for that, obviously. And that's kind of what's on the other side of this. So I'm going to try not to get off, on any, or get off on any crazy rants that take five to ten minutes or anything like that. I'm going to get through this episode. And I will say, it, it was a relatively quick episode. It's one of those weeks that kind of have a really long segment to start the show. Whenever you open the show with anywhere around a 30-minute segment, I mean... I, I talk about this every week or every week that it happens. It sets the show up to go by fast because then you got to either jam pack a bunch of small segments in there to kind of get everybody screen time or you're going to just have multiple long segments. And that's kind of what they did here. It was an entertaining show, though. The ending was a very badass ending and I can't really uh, I can't really remember the last time that I felt that way about a storyline. The only thing I could think about was whenever Randy Orton won the World Heavyweight Championship, whenever he was a member of Evolution. And Evolution turned on him. They did the whole thumbs up, turned it to thumbs down thing. If you were watching wrestling at the time, that was definitely a very impactful night on Monday Night Raw. And this one wasn't to that extent, but you can tell that it was cut from the same cloth in terms of like, that's the story that they were trying to tell. Is like, this was a this was a turn. Like, they turned the page here, and now we're going to see this Roman Reigns character in a different way. So I'm excited to get to that point in the show, but we will start here with... The opening segment, which was Sasha Banks and Tony Storm versus Shotzi Blackheart and Charlotte Flair. Now, I will say, before I get into this, I told you guys I'm going to comment on it. And I noticed it again this week. White ropes. I don't understand why. Bring the blue ropes back. And I did go look on Monday Night Raw. I said last week I wasn't sure if they were using red or white ropes. And they're using white ropes on Raw, too. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I I really don't. I'm not going to go off on that. Like I said, I'm going to try to keep the rants to a minimum on this episode. But still, I mean, I'm going to be paying attention. I'm going to be noticing. So um, I hope that you guys will as well. And I hope that you guys also can uh, appreciate what what the colored ropes bring. And I know it might be something small, but it does add to the show. I feel like whenever there's white ropes there, I'm going to see somebody from Raw pop up. Like I'm going to see, and like vice versa on Raw, if there's white ropes, I'm going to see somebody from SmackDown. They just feel more separated and they feel more inclusive whenever they are, you know, completely their own color. And that's the only thing that really separates these two shows is the color. So go all in. If that's going to be the only difference other than one of them's on Monday and one of them's on Friday, but the only true consistent difference between the two brands is one of them is red and one of them is blue. So go all in with that. You have blue ropes. They probably costed a decent amount of money to make. I'm just going to expect that. Probably not for WWE, obviously. $13,000 is like a penny to them. But however much those ropes cost, I mean, you might as well take advantage of that and actually use them on your rings. But anyways... We do get that tag team match, and Sasha Banks is in her Spider-Man-themed gear. I'm sure some of you guys noticed that, especially the Sasha Banks fans out there. I know that there's several that comment on that mailbag show who every single week their their mailbag is about Sasha Banks, no matter what. It's just it's like clockwork. But um, this was a 26-minute match because there wasn't an opening promo. Like It's not like, ooh, they went out and they talked crap to each other for 10 minutes and then they had like a 16-minute match. No, this was a 26-minute tag team match. So they definitely uh, took up a pretty big chunk of the um, of the card. And everybody, or yeah, of the, of the show, I guess you can say is a better word. 
but this match, all four women or all four women were able to showcase what they brought to the table. I feel like Sasha Banks and Charlotte were the two who obviously got the most shine here. They kind of had a spot where it was just them two going at it for a little while, maybe teasing what's down the road as we get closer to WrestleMania season. We kind of talked about this last week, that um, or at least I did. I was curious as what the plans were for for Sasha Banks. She just seems like. She's in the wrong spot right now. And there's nothing wrong with it. She's still getting camera time, you know, on a weekly basis. But something just didn't sit right with me about her being in her prime, available, and not being, you know, in the hunt for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. But I think that that's just going to set up and kind of get you ready for whenever we do get that. Seeing those two women, Sasha and Charlotte, go at it tonight, it kind of just sets it up and tells you these two women haven't faced each other at WrestleMania yet, and they are definitely worthy of that in terms of the matchup. So I would love to see it take place at WrestleMania in Los Angeles. We just have to get there. That's why um, some people expect Liv Morgan to possibly have a um, have her hand in the possible Royal Rumble, like the conversation for who's going to win it. Obviously, Liv Morgan, she's in the title picture right now, so it wouldn't be too far-fetched to have her be a meaningful player in that Royal Rumble. But I'm going to give credit where it's due right now. Um, Kyle from New York on the Mailbag episode. He mentioned Sasha Banks winning the Royal Rumble. And as you guys know, or like I said, longtime listeners, last year in October, I put it on record that I thought Bianca was going to win, and she ended up doing that. Well, here we are in December, and I still have not made my prediction yet. And as soon as he said Sasha, it was almost like a light, or like a light bulb went up over my head. Like, that is the... Like, he's absolutely right. I really think that Sasha is going to be the one to do this. Keep in mind, she hasn't done it yet. She is a legacy star, really, whenever you think about it. Not, like, in terms of her, like, heritage or anything like that, but just look at her resume. Look what she already has, like, to stand on. She's going to be a Hall of Famer, without a doubt. And her career is just getting started. She's still in her 20s. She's not even close to, like, being near the end of her career. So she has a lot of success ahead of her. But she hasn't gotten that Royal Rumble yet. She's been in, what, the, the Hell in a Cell match. She's been in the Elimination Chamber match. She's been in the Royal Rumble, but she hasn't won it yet. So I do think that this could be an opportunity for Sasha Banks to win the Royal Rumble, get an opportunity to go at Charlotte. That would be a money matchup, especially WrestleMania season. But there is a little bit of a twist here. I've heard rumors about Sasha Banks and Trish Stratus having mutual interest in working together. So are they going to have Legends be in the Women's Royal Rumble again this year? I'm a huge fan of that. I feel like that had a lot to do with last year why the women's Royal Rumble match outshined the men's match. And I was just a bigger fan of it altogether whenever the show was over. I was on record saying, hey, that women's Royal Rumble absolutely blew the men's out of the water. And I could see if they have women, if they have, uh, let's see here, like Trish, Lita, Victoria, Molly Holly, just women from that Ruthless Aggression era come back and be part of this Royal Rumble again, which some people aren't a fan of, and I understand that. There's enough women on the roster to give them that shine, give them that notoriety and that publicity to, you know, maybe put them over and give them a moment rather than a woman who's already retired, already in the Hall of Fame. We get that. But I do think there is, you know, an interesting thing here on the table with Sasha Banks and Trish Stratus because if there's the interest there, because right now Sasha Banks is a babyface. And she's kind of on that path to where, like we just said, she is on the track to win that Royal Rumble and, you know, maybe be the baby face in that program with Charlotte Flair. But what if Trish Stratus were to screw her over at the Royal Rumble? And not necessarily screw over, just eliminate her. So she tosses her over the top rope, ruins Sasha Banks' plan, and that is what makes Sasha flip back to a hill 
because it's inevitably going to happen. Sasha Banks is a great heel. She's personally, in my opinion, a better heel than she is a babyface. So right now, she's doing all this work kind of out of her comfort zone. And I feel like if she were to be thrusted back into that heel role by being eliminated by Trish Stratus, that could set up them two, Trish and Sasha, Trish being the babyface, Sasha Banks being the heel, them two colliding at WrestleMania, setting up that storyline. We could get Trish back in the WWE for just a couple months, not long, obviously. She's she's long gone as far as being a full-time star, but we could get her back for this program by itself, and I think it would be money, and I myself would be invested. So, there's two avenues, avenues you could go right there with Sasha Banks. Have her win the Rumble outright, challenge Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania, and you have a money one-on-one women's match right there. Charlotte has a chance to go back-to-back, having match of the night at WrestleMania, or you could have her feud with Trish. That's something that's been kind of floated around. So I think that right now there's nothing wrong you could do with Sasha. You're just kind of in a little bit of a holding stage where she has to be floating around here like in the mid-card, not really having a meaningful program going on right now. Just be patient. I kind of had to tell myself that because it is coming down the road. We just have to get closer to Royal Rumble season. Up next, we get a King Woods segment backstage where he's surrounded by a bunch of you know wrestlers who don't have anything going on right now. And then the Usos approach. And all this really is is kind of they talk crap to each other and they set up a match tonight and then also a match at day one um, in Atlanta on January 1st. So that's really all this was, was to set up the match that we get a little bit later in the show, which is the Usos versus the New Day. Now keep in mind, the New Day won that triple threat match that was on SmackDown last week to determine who is the best tag team in WWE. And if, if that really, you know, was a um, was a determining factor, in your opinion. I mean, it's to each their own. You could view who you feel is the best tag team in WWE. I don't feel like it's the New Day. But because they won that match, I guess we have to give them credit. And we will get to their match with the Usos a little bit later. Keeping things backstage, though. Natalia takes a little bit of a shot at Xia Lee. Obviously, Xia Lee comes out to the aid of Naomi last week. Whenever Natalia and Shayna Baszler were helping Sonya Deville kind of have a little bit of a three-on-one disadvantage. So she starts to criticize Xia Lee and basically says that if she goes out there and tries to do anything like that again, that Xia Lee herself is going to need the protector. So you can go ahead and bank that Natalia is going to be the first person that has a program with Xia Lee, and that's honestly textbook right there. Like that's who you want to have a program with Xia Lee first. Natalia, it's no secret, she told you herself on the show she's had the most matches in WWE history in terms of women, the most pay-per-view matches, so she definitely has some records under her belt. And working with somebody like Xia Lee might be nice, you know, giving Xia Lee the rub there and just working with somebody who could definitely teach her something. Not saying that Natalia, in terms of like a talent, is head and shoulders better than Xia Lee, maybe at this point in their career, yes, but I think that just the things that she can teach her, like picking her brain as far as being a WWE superstar, it's valuable. So I think that having her work with Natalia right here as her first program is definitely something that I could get behind. Moving on, though, we get the Viking Raiders versus Jinder Mahal and Shanky. In terms of actual wrestling and, you know, critical moments in the show, if you want to call this critical, I put this at the bottom. This match itself just really wasn't that that entertaining to be completely honest the viking raiders do win after ivar hits shanky with a splash from the top rope no matter what that's kind of like otis's splash that he does from the top rope or the second rope i guess that vader bomb looking thing this is even better because he goes to the top rope and he's a bigger guy arguably so um definitely an effective move there to win the match 
And like I said, this this one just really didn't do it for me. It wasn't a bad segment. It just wasn't one that to, that you can get excited for. But that kind of changes here in a little bit whenever Brock Lesnar shows up because Paul Heyman is waiting. You know how how they normally do anytime like Vince McMahon or somebody of prominence shows up, they'll show up in either a limousine or just like a blacked out suburban. In this case, it was the suburban. And Paul Heyman's sitting there waiting, holding the Universal Championship, obviously waiting for Roman Reigns, but it ends up being Brock Lesnar who gets out. And the look on Paul Heyman's face really said it all. Brock asks him if he's going to be doing any advocating tonight, and he really doesn't answer. He kind of, or Brock Lesnar kind of walks off while Paul Heyman's just still sitting there in shock, and he knows, damn it, I am in some deep you-know-what tonight. So we will touch on that here in just a little bit as we continue on through the show. Up next, we get Happy Talk. And this is another low point. I guess this segment itself, I, I know I kind of, you know, crapped on the Viking Raiders and Jinder and Shanky's tag team match. I take that back. That wasn't the worst part of the show. This certainly was this Happy Talk segment where Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss still have that crown in the desk. They bring it out to the ring. They both try to pull it out and they can't do it. But this was so crappy that the Chicago crowd was literally chanting CM Punk during it. If, if they're chanting CM Punk, any crowd for that matter, you know what you're doing sucks as a wrestling competitor, and you have to just take that L. They're not going to just chant CM Punk for the hell of it. Like, they're not just going to do it because they feel like it. If they're chanting that, it's because what you're presenting to them, what they're watching happen in the ring is trash. I don't want to take Christ's word, but he'll he'll probably agree with me that that is an absolute trash segment right there. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Drew McIntyre comes out, kicks their ass like you'd expect, easily removes that sword from the desk, even though... Adam Pierce, Madcap Moss, Baron Corbin, nobody could do it, but Drew McIntyre easily does it, obviously. So that's that's all that happens in that segment. Nothing really um, noteworthy. Drew McIntyre kind of has the sword, and he's going around backstage claiming that he's looking for Corbin and Madcap, and they are hiding, like they show them hiding backstage a little bit later. So you know that that one's going to continue, but still just not necessarily one of the high points here on SmackDown and what was, in my opinion, a decent show, so... We do get another match here, Ridge Holland versus Cesaro. Ridge Holland does have the benefit of having Sheamus in his corner, so that is certainly an advantage, especially before the match, whenever Ridge Holland channels his inner Fit Finley by using that shillelagh and kind of hits Cesaro in the kidney with it. And the match goes on, you know, as planned, even though Cesaro clearly not necessarily in the best wrestling shape. If you've ever been hit with a ki- in your kidney by anything, like somebody's hand, it hurts like a... If I had the beep thing, I would already do it, but it hurts. I'll just say that. But let alone getting hit with an object, like a blunt object in your kidney, yeah, you're out of it. So Cesaro, without a doubt, wasn't going to compete in this match, and it is dominated and won by Ridge Holland. So he's just continuing being that lackey for Sheamus, even though that Sheamus really didn't have a role in this. He kind of just distracted the referee while Ridge Holland took the shot at Cesaro before the match. But you can just tell that, that those two are going to make a pretty decent team together. And I'm excited to see what is in store for Rich Holland and how long this actually goes with him being Sheamus's right-hand man, lackey, whatever whatever word you want to um, call it. But moving on here, we get Naomi. And she comes out to the ring and she calls out Sonya. And she has like a, a neon green piece of paper in her hand. And she says that every year she likes to make a Christmas list for herself. And this year, the only thing that's on her list is a one-on-one match with Sonya Deville. And she starts to call her out again. She tells her, come to the ring. Sonya does this, or she does just that, sorry. She has to remind her that, hey, whenever I'm wearing this suit, 
you cannot touch me. So she's kind of stalling. I watched this uh, segment over again, and you could really tell that she was stalling with the words she was saying as she was creeping closer to the ring and getting in the ring because she tricks Naomi into thinking that she is going to take off her jacket and maybe give her a little bit of a, maybe not an official match, but a, a little altercation nonetheless. But she's attacked from behind by Shayna Baszler, and they go ahead and set up that one-on-one match, Naomi versus Shayna Baszler right there. You think that Shayna's going to get the win because she attacked her or ambushed her from behind. But Naomi wins with some type of roll-up where she just pins her shoulders down and fall from grace for Shayna Baszler continues because she's losing these type of matches. I I would love to see her win-loss record over the past couple of years, really since that elimination chamber, because that's whenever her downward spiral started. It kind of, it really hit at WrestleMania whenever I thought she was definitely going to beat Becky Lynch. She didn't, and um, really we haven't seen Shayna return to prominence since then. And uh, it looks like it's not going to happen anytime soon. But um, we're just getting closer and closer to the inevitable Sonya Deville versus Naomi. It just feels like it's going to happen at day one. The fact that they're kind of speeding stuff up a little bit makes me feel like it could happen at day one. If it does, it better be on the main card because I'm not watching the kickoff show. So if I miss this match because they put it on the kickoff show, I will definitely be pissed off. But I think that they're going to um, I think they're going to do it at a pay-per-view. And it just makes too much sense to do it at day one. It seems like they're kind of, it's going to be tough for them to push this further, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So day one is a good target date for whenever this match might actually happen in an official capacity. But we get that match that we kind of were teased with earlier today, New Day versus the Usos. Another match that, I mean, whenever you've seen it four out of the past five weeks, it seems like it's easy to, you know, kind of get distracted. But... I will say one thing I noticed in this match, there was a spot where the referee didn't see the tag. Like the the New Day made a tag. I'm not really sure who came in. I think it was Kofi. But the referee didn't see it. He claimed, no, I didn't see the tag. Get back out there. Not the legal man. I'm okay with this sometimes, but I feel like it's, they only use it whenever they want to. And they don't always enforce that rule. I will say, how many times have we seen like the referee get knocked out? He's just like laying there unconscious. We see a tag come in. Somebody makes like the hot tag. They go on a run. The referee literally has to be like drug over there because he's unconscious. And he just sees somebody's making the, the pinfall or the cover. And he just does it one, two, three. And it's like he doesn't look. Wait, I didn't see that tag get made. What the hell's going on here? No, go back to your corner. I thought that was kind of weird whenever he did that, I will say. But it didn't have any impact of the match. So it's not like it's worth going on a rant about. It was just kind of a small thing that you don't see that very often. But it's kind of like the... um. It's like the brand split rules. They only stick to them whenever it's convenient for them. So Kofi does hit Trouble in Paradise to get this win. But like I said, not very meaningful. It is two wins for the New Day over the Usos in the past two weeks. So um, yeah, maybe they are the best team in WWE because they are certainly proving it inside the ring if that's what you want to decide it on. But up next, we get the best part of the show, without a doubt. Kind of what I talked about a little bit earlier. It's the main event And this is um, a very entertaining segment just because, like I said, you were on the edge of your seat because you were waiting to see what was going to happen with Paul Heyman. Because Roman Reigns shows up this time. We see that same dark-tinted Suburban or Tahoe, whatever it is, come up. And Paul Heyman's waiting there with the Universal Championship. And for the first time that I can remember, and I've seen a lot of these segments where the the vehicle will pull up and they'll get out. Paul Heyman was sitting there on the driver's side door, or I guess waiting for Roman Reigns to get out of the back seat of the driver's side door, which is what they usually do. Roman Reigns got out on the opposite side, on the passenger side, and he walked around, 
and told Paul Heyman, let's meet out in my ring. So right there, I thought that was noteworthy. I've never seen a guy get out of the opposite side. So if that is a little twist or a nice little touch that they added, WWE that is, then bravo to them because, I mean, I would have never even thought about that. And I could be wrong. I could have, it could have happened several times and I just missed it. But it did seem kind of new whenever that happened. So anyways, they do just that, which is go down to Roman Reigns' ring, according to him. And the bloodline is with him. And he just has a series of questions to ask Paul Heyman. And he starts by basically saying, look, can I trust you? Can I trust you, wise man, is the exact words that he said. And Paul Heyman says, of course you can, like, obviously. And then he says, like, did you know Brock Lesnar was going to show up last week? Did you know he was going to show up at Survivor Series? And then he asks him, are you an advocate or are you a special counsel? Like, which one? And Paul Heyman is trying as hard as he can to answer or at least, you know, find the guts to, to spit some words out. And as he's about to, Roman Reigns says, I need you to acknowledge me with the truth and tell me why are you protecting Brock Lesnar from me and that's whenever Paul Heyman says I'm not protecting Brock Lesnar from you and right then you already knew what he was going to say the crowd knew what he was going to say because you heard them going crazy he says I am protecting you from Brock Lesnar and right then Roman Reigns kind of it's a little tough pill to swallow it's almost like uh like if you like an it's almost like as if your girlfriend leaves you and she just flat out tells you like, yeah, I'm leaving you for this guy because I like him more. Like that's kind of, and obviously that might be a bad analogy to use, but it's kind of like what Roman Reigns was kind of had to sit there and face like, damn, like he basically is telling me like that dude's better than me. And all this time I've been thinking that, you know, I run the show when in reality, the dude who I think has been my special counsel is really just trying to protect me from another man that he thinks is superior to me. So I could see why that was a little bit of a, of a rough or I guess tough pill for Roman Reigns to swallow. So he does and he kind of brings Paul Heyman in and thanks him for the 40 years of service to his family and then tells him simply you're fired and then walk or attempts to walk out of the ring. But before he does that, he turns around and hits Paul Heyman with a Superman punch. And this was really where it kind of hit the fan for me. I was like, oh man, somebody's about to come out. Things are about to really get interesting here. He tries to hit him with the concerto. He has his head placed on top of the steel chair and he goes to get another one. And as he's about to do it, there's only one thing that we hear and it is Brock Lesnar's music. He comes to the ring. The Usos try to stop him like you would expect. They get taken out. And I will say Jimmy Uso got hit with a mean clothesline. Like it was one of the, like I can't even do it justice honestly because it wasn't like the typical like I'm going to sell this clothesline and make it seem like you knocked me on my ass. Like no, Brock Lesnar literally knocked him on his ass just with a vicious clothesline, then hit both of the Usos with an F5, got in the ring, was hit with some chair shots by Roman Reigns, but he still just scooped him up easily and hit him with the F5, takes Roman Reigns out, goes crazy, his music hits, and you could expect Paul Heyman to be reunited with Brock Lesnar. I didn't expect it to happen this quick, I really didn't, but like I said, they're starting to speed things up, it seems like, and this was certainly a a time in this storyline where a page was turned, where they took a different road, and now we have to see where they go from here. What are we going to do? How is Roman Reigns going to be without Paul Heyman? Was just the bloodline. So it is going to be a domino effect. We are going to see things change because of this night, and I'm excited for it. There are some people who feel like the Roman Reigns storyline was getting a little bit stale. I wasn't one of them because I'm such a big fan of Roman that, I mean, really, uh, it's, it's hard not to, and I, I do like to watch it with some objectivity but 
I'm not going to lie, subjectively, I'm a huge fan of Roman Reigns, so it's easy for me to you know, kind of buy into what he's doing. And I'm just glad that we are. Oops, sorry, I dropped my chapstick there. I am excited to see what we uh, what we get from him going forward and exactly where this, I guess, character of Roman Reigns goes without Paul Heyman because he has had Paul by his side. And just like that, poof, he's gone. So I am interested to see where this goes. Next week is going to be a badass episode of SmackDown. I could already tell you I'm excited to see what happens. I guarantee Roman Reigns is going to open the show, if not Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. But either way, this is a program. It's one of the best in all of pro wrestling right now. And uh, the day one pay-per-view is going to be a hell of a match. Like I said, I don't even know what to expect at this point. It's no longer predictable. I felt like every week you can kind of know what Roman Reigns is going to say. Sometimes it's a little bit different. Sometimes he'll kind of catch you off guard and maybe take a different route than you expected. But for the most part, you could guess what exactly was going to happen in this storyline. But that's over now. I I really don't know what's going to happen or uh, what we can expect. So that alone makes it exciting. And I'm excited to watch SmackDown next week. But that does do it for me here on the SmackDown review, guys. I do want to thank you so much for listening to this show. It definitely means the world to me. I appreciate all you guys coming back every week. If you are a regular listener, then that definitely means a lot because uh, I look forward to doing this for you guys. I look forward to being a part of this team and, you know, chiming in, hearing you guys' opinions on the mailbag. I, I'm looking forward to that. Inside the DJ booth, fire and trash with the crisis. Th- those two alone are reasons to tune into the mailbag as well as getting a casual wrestling fan takeover, which is going to be happening in a couple of weeks. So there's so many reasons to stick around here. There's so many reasons to, to subscribe on Patreon and get the ad-free experience. Join that Discord chat. It is well worth it. It's where we broke the news for the Kevin Owens re-signing with WWE. It's where we kind of had that discussion. So you, you get to be a part of all that if you sign up for Patreon. So it's definitely worth it. And I would advise you to do so. But like I said, I've got a date with spider-man so i'm about to go watch that movie i hope it's badass i definitely expect it to be and don't worry i won't spoil it for any of you guys but i would recommend going there and watching it so we could all talk about it without uh, worrying about spoiling it for anybody but i hope you guys all have a great rest of your weekend walk passionately in the direction of your dreams and i'll talk to you soon thanks for listening to the wwe podcast don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time